This season of Crazy Sexy Food is sponsored by KeyJays. KeyJays is an independent family-run business that has been making speciality sauces for professional chefs and home cooks like myself since 1985. KeyJays first launched with its goldfish brand Curry Sauce Concentrates. More recently, they launched Taste KeyJays of Suffolk. Inspired by travels to wonderful destinations around the world, these are six authentic, quick and easy cook-in sauces and four Asian-inspired squeezy sauces. My particular favourites are the Spanish tomato sauce with its added paprika, as well as the Thai po chilli sauce to rev up my meals. Order my favourites as well as the whole collection from keyjayssources.co.uk. That's K-E-E-J-A-Y-S sources.co.uk. Hello and welcome to Crazy Sexy Food. I'm your host, Hannah Harley-Young. I'm interested not only in food, but the people behind the food and the stories behind the people. Each episode, I sit down and talk all things food with well-known personalities, industry insiders, and people who, well, just love their food. Today, I'm joined by a woman whose Irish accent is so seductive, I'm not sure how I'm going to get through this episode. It gets me every time. Amanda Byram is a TV presenter, former model, and the newly published author of the brilliant book, The Switch. Best known for presenting Total Wipeout and the Irish version of Dancing with the Stars, Amanda also spent 10 years in America fronting shows viewed by millions. But it's her new venture of putting pen to paper and writing The Switch that has got me all revved up. The book shows us and inspires us to overcome the pressures of perfection and find health and happiness within ourselves. Upon reading the intro, I felt like Amanda had written a letter to my former self and the woman reading it present day. The extreme pressures, downplaying and pain we put ourselves through is damaging and Amanda perfectly explains and investigates this in a multifaceted approach through memoirs, scientific-based evidence, inspiration and brilliant tips. Amanda, thank you for joining me. I think I'm going to (laughs) cry. This is your life. This is da, 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 da. or however that music goes. Oh, thank, thank you. That was from the heart. All, I have to say because a part of the book I talk about compliments and taking compliments and taking them well. So thank you so much for those I'm beautiful actually, words. I'm going to be bringing up that compliment um, section in a bit because that's a big topic for me. It really is. I have to ask you, how are you? I'm really good. Yeah. I am. I'm, I'm touching all the wood around me because I'm really genuinely grateful that I am okay, um, given the hardship and the pain and anguish and, and loss of life that we've all seen over the last... Gosh, it's been almost a year now, I think. I believe today it was recorded that we were on day 200 of (gasps) lockdown. That's incredible. Yeah. It's incredible. I mean, you know, I think a part of it is is also very, it's mind-blowing how we have adapted. And I think that's a huge, beautiful part of human nature, isn't it? That mm. we adapt, you know, we, we have to accept and mm. we have to adapt and we have to move on. I broke my arm two weeks into isolation. Oh, great. But that was all fun and games. That was fun. <laughs> if you see that uh, bicycle out there, that no is No way. My, yeah, well, that's not what I fell off. That's what I'm now on instead. I'm not allowed out in the road. What happened? So I fell off my bike. It was the day Boris had said we were all allowed out for an hour. So my husband and I were like two kids going, what do we do? Let's go for a bike ride. Because that feels like the most isolated, safe bubble we can be in whilst outside. And a woman on Hammersmith Bridge came just a smidge too close to me. I was a little bit, because we're very strict about our, our, you know, our rules about how far we stay, our safe distance. And she came too close. So I broke really suddenly and went over the handlebars and then the bike fell on top and so oh I fell God. on my, my left wrist and then the bike fell on top of my arm so needless to say I was sat in the middle of Hammersmith Bridge with people surrounding me but no one could touch me that was the weirdest Jeez, thing and also Hammersmith Bridge was is shut now it to is to traffic <laughs> so <Yes. laughs> well now it's shut to foot traffic as well oh it's great that, okay it, lovely wonderful yeah. oh my god I didn't so, realise that I'm sorry yes. to hear but look you know what actually it taught me a very very valuable lesson because I I went into lockdown thinking okay I can do this I can figure out my routine and do my thing and then that happened I thought oh 
oh. And it really made me realize, look, I'm, if this is the least of my worries, then I'm a lucky girl. And then you just, you accept it, you adapt it. And so then I put the bike on, on stabilizers at the back. <laughs> well, we won't be touching that for a while. <laughs> Um, and during this time, obviously, during the few months of that dreaded C word, what have you been eating, craving? Have, is there been things that you've been overeating? Like, what's what's the sort of food element been like for you? What's really interesting is we sit in front of a, a plethora oh, of yeah. treats that I've made mm. for you, and we're talking about food, salivating. What is really interesting is that um, I've been asked the question, you live such a healthy, well-being lifestyle. What do you do to take a break? Or what do you do to treat yourself? And that's funny. I, I was only asked it a few weeks ago, and I thought it was a really interesting question because actually, back in the day when I had very severe body image issues and I had very severe, you know, uh, the way I treated myself and, and how I basically sabotaged my existence, I would binge and purge. So I would stay away from all of the things that I thought were naughty, like even dark chocolate, but rice and pasta and bread, all carbs, all of the things which actually theoretically are really good for you. And so I was in this binge purge cycle. So I would I would sort of gorge on the things that I thought were good foods or, or you know, but would make me fat. And then I would stay away from them and I'd go on a juice fast for a week. And so this sort of metabolic, crazy yo-yo system that was going on in my body, it took me nearly three decades to get out of that. Now I can safely say that I eat everything in balance. And weirdly, I do eat very many things that are technically on the naughty list. Mm. But my body sort of goes, eh, I could take it or leave it. Mm. So actually lockdown was really interesting because, you know, we were just eating normal foods. And people were saying to me, I'm really struggling. I want to eat chocolate all day. I want to eat crisps all day. And I thought, well, this is probably because these are the foods you deny yourself a lot of. And therefore, now you're in this bubble, you think, well, I'm just going to have the naughty stuff all day, every day and drown in my sorrows. Um, but I think it, it's just, I, I love every food. You know, I'll have salt and vinegar crisps. I'll eat, you know, there's dark chocolate on the table. I do Which love I'm my milk chocolate. Pounce on in a minute. <laughs> um, you know, we'll have a slice of pizza every now and then. I just, I would have a whole pizza my body just goes, eh, a, pizza, a slice is enough. Yeah. But if that had been me 10 years ago, I would have eaten four pizzas and then felt really shameful, really guilty, really fearful about what I'd done. And then I'd purge and then I'd get up at 6 a.m. and I'd go training to make sure I'd trained it off. And, you know, all this kind of really unrealistic metabolic failure that I was giving my body and that so many women do. Amen. I mean, I'm sort of sitting here like staring intently at you because <laughs> you've, you know, and, I, and I'm happy to kind of divulge this side of me, but I do think I am a little bit that person. I don't deny myself food, but it's this guilt. It's this word guilt that yeah. is associated with food or, or certain food in, in general. Mm. And I feel like there's a real fine line between it being sort of a healthy understanding of, you know what, I don't need to have a packet of crisps every day, to it being, how dare you eat that packet of crisps? Now you're going to need to go to the gym tomorrow for two hours and you're going to have to literally survive on air and water for the next two days to counteract the calories that you've just eaten. And why are we in this point in life where people like me, do sometimes speak to themselves yeah. like that you're not alone you're yeah. not alone trust me on a daily basis i get tens hundreds of messages and emails from women saying the exact same thing and men and it is the fear and the shame and the guilt around food that we have been we've been forced into unfortunately and and it's because of I would say subconscious and subliminal, but actually it's right in front of our faces in magazines, in newspapers, you know, the messaging, the no carbs before marbs, the yeah. uh, get a bikini body, mm. lose seven pounds in seven days. If you, if you listen to anything for long enough, it becomes the norm. Airbrushed magazines. Look, I was in the modeling industry for a very long time and I was airbrushed. So a part of the book was actually to atone for those mistakes that I had been a part of this, you know, this narrative, this very negative narrative that even though we are working towards changing, it's still got a very long mm. way to go. And social media now just popped up its ugly head and it's sort of flying the flag for very much the positive mes message in certain areas. But 
the negative message in so many other areas. So I think that's why. I think because slowly but surely we've been, pardon the pun, spoon-fed the lies that thin is in and, you know, skinny is the best and, you know, fit not all all of these kind of phrases yeah. that, that just become overwhelming and we get really confused. So then we go, wait, carbs, right, I know that I think they're good, but which ones are carbs? Okay, so, but if I eat too many, look, I just might as well not eat bread and then I'll definitely look good in my bikini. And that's sort of this like vicious cycle of the way our heads go. So for me, my switch moment was very much about the education. So I educated myself about the relationship between mind and body. That was key because unless you have a happy mind, you cannot have a happy body. No matter how many times you go to the gym or how few calories you eat or whatever, if you your mind isn't in place then nothing else will fall into place ever and that that is the end um i truly believe that diets do not work unless you are given a diet by a medical doctor and they say that you specifically have to do a certain diet for reasons because diets by their very nature you know the word diet is the food that we eat on a daily basis which mm. how gorgeous is that the food that we eat on a daily basis to fuel our body to nourish our body you know sitting around at a family dinner and you know being convivial and enjoying your food without thinking about what you're putting in your mouth how lovely that was a thing you know it's probably a thing around the campfire you've literally made it sound so romantic I'm like sitting here and (laughs) I'm like swaying with you I know and it is you know but somewhere along the line we've demonized food and we've demonized the word diet so now we hear the word diet and we do one of two things we sort of uh, our, our chest lurch in sort of pain at the notion that I know I have to go on this deprivation diet, mm. you know, to, to, oh, I need to know this because I, I have a wedding coming or I have mm. a reunion coming up. So there's a very fine line between the, do's, the, between the two. A diet is something you have. It's not something you do. And until we realize that, we're in very big danger of passing on our insecurities and our fear and our shame and our guilt to the next generation and the generation after that. And studies have shown that 45-year-old women are just as likely to pass on their insecurities about their body as to their 19-year-olds as they are to have them themselves. And other studies have said that teenage girls have admitted that it's their their mothers who passed it's learned these behavior it's learned it? behavior it's absolutely and so if you think about it would you let's go back to the campfire let's go back to our our sapien grand grand great 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 greats you know i'm pretty sure they didn't think about oh i mustn't have the sap from this tree because it's a little bit too sugary or Maybe I'll have a little bit more of that buffalo this evening because actually protein <laughs> diets really, it just uh, wasn't, it wasn't a thing. dialogue. Of course not. It just, yeah. and so we've evolved into, you know, yes, of course, now we understand a lot more about how our bodies work. We understand what food is and it's no, it's no secret that there are some foods that are really bad for us. You think about trans fats and, and saturated fats, certain saturated fats in, uh, in bulk are not great for you. But it's the knowledge, it's the understanding. We just need to educate ourselves. And once we educate ourselves, you know, the the, the, the defining moment for me, I remember it vividly. So when I started studying nutrition and I came to the chapter about carbs and I opened the page and there was this diagram about the ATP system. And it was the explanation that a carb and it gets broken down and it goes into these, you know, these particles and these molecules. And then uh, it gets sort of uh, this whole system and the ATP, I won't get into the science of it, but it sparks energy. And without that, we cannot exist. We literally cannot survive. I did the protein phase of Atkins for three years three years how I how wow. I came out the other side without you know literally being frail as anything I've, and I over exercised while mm. I was doing it so you know it's it's education it's understanding now I love my carbs I eat them and I enjoy them and I, I never feel shame about them I wake up the next morning and I don't I can't even remember what I had for dinner the days that I can remember where I'd wake up in the morning and the first thought that would come into my head was oh crap Oh, I had all that stuff last night, right? Okay, what are we going to do? And so then I would stress about working out. And the stress of working out was actually raising my cortisol levels. And I was seeing this, you know, this little gut was forming. I'm thinking, but I'm going to the gym every day without fail. Why Why have I got this oh little my God. gut? Amanda, I'm literally <laughs> sitting here and everything that you're saying, I am actually like your perfect 
customer. Let's just call it that for a second, because I literally feel like you have come into my brain and you've just found all these little pockets of conversations that I have with myself. Absolutely. And a few things I just wanted to touch on, for, for example, with the carbs. So yeah, we've all been programmed to think that, oh, well, carbs will make you bloated. Or, you know, you can't lose weight if you're eating carbs. I ran the London Marathon last year. That was the biggest, wow. the biggest achievement of my life to date and probably ever. <laughs> but, and I took it very seriously. Yeah. I stopped drinking for five months. I tra- trained for five mm-hmm. months. I had all my plans. I, you know, whatever you want to call it, I'm not a natural runner. I'm not built as a natural long distance runner, but I needed to do it. I did it for charity anyway, blah, blah, blah. And as the distances started to increase weekly, I knew that my diet had to fall in line with that. Absolutely. And suddenly I was having to start eat more eating. I was having to start to eat more carbs. And I, at first I was like, oh, I don't know how I feel about this. And, you know, I've also got this wedding coming up oh. and all these conversations in my head. And I was like, but then I'm going to put weight on. But you're not going to put weight no. on, Hannah, because you're burning Absolutely. as well. Like thousands of yeah. calories. Your body cannot run Without these kinds them. of mileage without carbohydrates and yes. so I did yeah we love carbs <laughs> so I did a few tests which rightly or wrongly and a couple sort of smaller runs I would sort of run without the carbs and some of them I would run with the carbs and the the, the, the difference, difference I bet. was beyond I bet. And the thing is as well, I'm so happy to hear you say that you came through that and you yeah. so you, you physically saw the, the physiological effects of not having carbs. Yeah. It's really basic. I mean, it's a basic function of life and we're so blessed to be able to go to the local grocery store totally. and buy the nice quality foods totally. that they have on offer. They didn't have that, you know, in, in the, the kind of the Stone Age mm. times, did they? Mm. So, you know, I think it's... There's so many things I, I could say about all of this. And the biggest thing you have to take from this is that feeling of shame, that feeling of, you know, am I going to gain weight if I eat this? This is, this is it's a pre-programmed idea and the after effects are unfortunately visible because when you yo-yo diet, your metabolism gets completely screwed up. So what we've done is we've, joined the diet club we've done the this the that so we've we've sort of successfully lost weight then we sort of lose our energy then we want to eat again then we crave things then we eat a little bit more and then we gain weight naturally Mm. it's it's kind of you know it's it's science Mm. then we gain the weight and we go oh i knew it i told you food was going to make me fat so then we go back to square one again and we keep on going you do this enough times your metabolism gets so screwed up that it doesn't know the difference. And all it's going to do is the minute you have that beautiful sourdough with that lovely quarter of an avocado and that gorgeous boiled egg with a little bit of olive oil and some black sesame seeds, your body, right? (laughs) I mean, I have that every day now. If I'd had that once in a year in my my troubled days, I would have been so, oh, what have I done? Um, You have that and your body goes, Ah, these beautiful nutrients. But I am very smart. I know that Hannah and Amanda are crazy. I know that they are probably going to go loco and starve (laughs) me next week. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take these calories. I'm going to take these nutrients. I'm going to store them as fat so that they are in a backup reserve for when that crazy biatch doesn't (laughs) eat her bread or rice or pasta. So true. And that's why we gain weight Mm. because our bodies are brilliant. Because Mm. they're trying to save us from killing ourselves. And literally, that is what we're doing when we're depriving ourselves of entire food groups. We are killing ourselves. So I always say to women, because they say, but at what stage do you get past that? And do you stop gaining the weight? And again, that's a loaded question because it shouldn't matter. And you will probably gain a little bit of weight. No one's watching. Mm. No one cares. No one notices. You just look at your body and go, I'm so sorry for all the pain and the anguish I put you through. We're going to gain a little bit of weight, possibly. That's okay, because you're amazing, and it's it's irrelevant. And then your body settles, and the dust settles, and you become the the shape and the size you were meant to be. And that is happy, 
balanced. That could be a size zero. It could be a size 22, whatever that, whatever your body needs to be for your metabolism and for, for how you are, that is what it will settle into. And that's the key. Mic drop. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, one thing, one question it does raise for me is who the hell is writing and distributing this message that certain things are bad for you? Or like, you know, for example, the, the diet industry, you know, like for example, fats are really bad for you. If you Mm -hmm. eat fat, you become fat. Well, that's Mm. a big fat lie because actually when I, I saw a nutritionist a couple years ago to do with some stomach issues that I've spoken to you about, Mm. you know, gut health and all that sort of stuff. And actually not the diet she put me on, but the tips she gave me and things to increase, you know, in my meals were all the good fats. Of course. And I said to her, I said, oh no, but I, I shouldn't be eating that much avocado. And I, I only, I, I'm scared about eating nuts because nuts are really fattening. And she's like, please don't tell me how to do my job, right? right? She's so right. I did what she said and I actually lost weight I, I would imagine when I increased I my fat intake because dietary fat is not the same yeah, as body fat yeah. it is a completely different fat mm. so by the time those lipids by the time you eat those fats they assimilate they don't they you know they they go in an avocado mm. and then they do the most magical job mm. they satiate you so they sort of they fill you for longer because they're higher in calories you know they're great for your cell for the, the structure of your cell um and, and oh god it's just listening to it i get so excited but also so upset thinking about you know this this misnomer this misinformation that we have been fed again i'll say it pardon the pun by the diet industry because they make billions and billions on the lies that they sell us that we believe and we put our hands into our 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 kind of dietary pockets every single day Mm. and we fork out that money for that high protein bar or that low fat yogurt or that fat free something or other and you know very often labels don't even get me started on labels that's a whole different ball game (laughs) because if you look at a high protein bar the chances are it's got more sugar in it than protein but the fact that they can say high protein it's a buzzword and so you just need because people don't have time to look at the whole label they're going to trust the person who made it because I'm paying the money they'd be nice to me they wouldn't lie to me would they unfortunately they do and Mm. they lie every day consumerism is big big business and if you think about that trip to the supermarket billions have been spent on psychological tests to understand what do you put at the front of the door what do you put in the middle of the store and what do you put at the end it is absolutely no coincidence that there are breads croissants bakery all the sweetie beautiful smelling stuff at the front so your juices are flowing that's that activates your brain into hunger mode then you go into the supermarket now you're a little bit confused because now you've got a couple of sort of these things that i don't know should i have this should i have mm, the croissant should mm. i have the jam donut maybe not now i'm going to go for the low fat stuff in the middle and then you get to the checkout and it's all of the chocolate i have a right? huge issue with this yeah huge yeah but i've actually been pre-planned. known to put photos up on my social media really? being like shame on you x y and z Absolutely. supermarkets how yeah. dare you do yeah. that yeah why don't you put a few bit pieces of fruit or some Absolutely. something else or some nuts Exactly. Why, why have I got to pick up the cookies and the donuts? Because it's a money-making scam. That we're, and, and we're buying into it. You look at the, the, the idea of going to the movies. So you're there and you yeah. get to the cash register. Yeah. It is also no coincidence that the cash register is right beside the sweets, right? Because that's where they make their money. They don't make their money on the movie. They mm. make their money on the confectionery. Mm. So again, it's, it's big business. And I'm sorry, but I don't want to pay the, the pockets of the people who I say in the book have their mansions in the Hamptons do you no I mean you yeah, know no, I'm going to keep that money and I'm going to invest it into my health instead there's so many beautiful foods that you can get you know once you're educated about the right carbs and the right fats and the right proteins and and the fear of food has got to stop okay we need to be educated like I say about the wrong foods and again you know, we can't call them naughty foods. We can't call the nice things guilty pleasures. Like anything, these negative connotations, you know, a pleasure is a pleasure, pleasure, the end. If I want to go and have a bag of, of salt and vinegar crisps this weekend, I'm going to have it. It's a pleasure. And then, you know, whatever. I don't have them every day. It's something that I give myself because I fancied it. 
why not? But I know that I'm not going to want it the next day. It's not a guilty pleasure. It's a pleasure. <laughs> I feel like we should have met each other so long, long ago because you've now mentioned salt and vinegar crisps <laughs> twice in this chat already. And um, wait till the end of this uh, little conversation because you'll see why it means so much to me you keep okay. talking about crisps. I want to just take it back a little yes. bit because, you know, this is obviously a really serious passion and just love for education educating yourself educating us educating others talk to me about your childhood in ireland was food important in your in your growing up years you know yeah. what was what was going on around the kitchen table we had a i had a great childhood you know my my dad's iranian so my grandmother what? yeah i'm my mum's iranian <gasps> stop are you joking we literally are sisters wait we need to speak to our mothers oh about God. this <laughs> at you this whole time thinking <laughs> I mean not that Irish people have a certain look but you you do have a very like Mediterranean yeah. look about my you my father's Iranian my mum is Irish yeah and I married an Iranian oh you're <laughs> kidding me this is just getting better this was not planned everybody no, this is was not <gasps> I didn't know this that's about you that's unbelievable I've goosebumps oh my god okay this is why I love oh my god this is brilliant I know so we as you know then the culture is around food yeah. and, and you know my my my, my granny uh I, actually one of her recipes is in the book and one of my Irish granny's recipes in the book so my my Irish granny's recipe is coddle which is a very Dublin dish it's a soup okay. with with rashers and sausages and oh, barley yeah. I mean it's a proper yeah, yeah. Dublin dish yeah. and it was called I think it was called the poor man's soup because okay. it was, you just threw everything yeah. in at it and it's delicious yeah. so we'd go into my granny's house in Ireland and she'd have uh cow's tongue she'd have pig's trot the work so mm -hmm. we would love like going to granny's house and then my granny in Iran she you know had the most amazing curries that she passed down to my mom and my mom would make these beautiful chicken curry prawn curry dal just the works on the table every Sunday how so did your dad get to Ireland he was in the merchant navy so he wow. sort of had traveled the world sailed the world and then met my mom in England and just, yeah I know I'm just sitting it's here like, with my mouth open <laughs> And so they met, fell in love, and then mom was like, I'm homesick, I want to go back to Ireland. And so that's where we were brought up. So yeah, it's um, I had an amazing childhood, really incredible. My, my issues with food started when I was about 15. Okay. And I remember vividly a friend and I sitting in our, my bedroom, peach, cool bedroom with AHA poster. Oh yeah. And I had, I don't know if you, no, you're probably too young, but when cycling shorts were fashionable. I mean, they've made a comeback, Amanda. I really don't want to talk about it. It's, it's intense. I don't know that they were ever fashionable, but hey. They're very fashionable They're very now. fashionable. And the, the Pepe Method jeans. Yes. Pepe jeans. So I had a Pepe Method t-shirt and these cycling shorts and both of us were dressed in the same thing. And she, she made this really a genuinely innocent quip and said, oh, look at the way your fat sort of comes out the end of your cycling shorts because, you know, they kind yes. of cut you off. Oh, my God. And I remember specifically thinking, oh. And it was literally like a light bulb that went off in my head. It was a switch. And that's why the switch is sort of the switch back now. Mm. And I remember just thinking, how do we, how do we fix this? How do I get around this? And it was the same time as the supermodels were making the, making the big entrance onto the stage. It was the same time as yo-yo dieting started. It was the same time as slim fast oh, shakes yeah. started, of which I lived on for a year, yeah, three slim fast a day with a bag of popcorn. <laughs> oh and then I just started to want to take control because I, I don't know, maybe it was I, that, that quip, maybe I, I don't know. It could have been a huge accumulation of very, very many things. And very, very quickly, a very, very dysfunctional relationship with food began. And, you know, people have said to me, was it an eating disorder? Actually, it was disordered eating. And this is really important because there, there are fine lines between them, trust me. But disordered eating, if you were to ask a lot, of, let's take, we say we asked 100 women, I guarantee you the answer would be predominantly yes. Do you feel fear and shame and guilt around food? Do you avoid entire food groups? Do you deprive yourself of food and then binge and purge on it? If, any, if anyone could tick any of those boxes, then that's disordered eating. Mm. And so I think a lot of women suffer from disordered eating. And that's, you know, and, and very quickly, if taken too far, disordered eating can turn into an eating disorder. Right, so that's okay. why it's really important to stop it from when, when children are children. You know, I talk very, very much about the fact that in, in a way, this was sort of written originally because the original title was how to be hip, fit, healthy and look good in your 40s and beyond. Yeah. 
And then very, very quickly after I wrote two chapters, I thought, this is not about that at all. This is about going way back and starting from scratch and sort of doing a time travel trick and going, if I could have changed this then, how would my life have unraveled? Mm. And here is that information. So here is for your 15-year-old daughter or son, please read this because these are the tips and tricks they need to get out of this way of thinking. Um, in fact, I got, a, I got a DM today, which made me cry. I'm very emotional these days. And it was from a school teacher in Ireland saying, I've just bought your book and I brought it into my teenage class and I want them all to read it. Would you, that she thought I was in Ireland, would you come in and, and do a talk on disordered eating? And I said, well, I will do a Zoom because obviously I'm not able to travel. And I just, that's the conversation that it just gave me goosebumps to think this is the conversation we really need to start. I'll be honest with you. I wish you had written written this when I was a teenager because similar to you I mean I was sort of entering my teen years sort of in the late 90s early 2000s for me that was the time when skinny was celebrated yes. it was that sort of heroin chic look course, wasn't it right it was it was a Kate Moss day it wasn't her fault but also that's just her body type as well yeah she's a very slim woman sort of quite straight up and down it was there championed. I was you know I was regardless whether you want to say I could have been a bit overweight or not but I was a curvy girl of course and amazing. I just didn't fit in yeah. because I had programmed myself to believe that and then what resulted was just years of unconfidence and I mean a lot of people might not know this about me but I would cry myself to sleep most oh. nights because I was so unhappy with the way that I looked and if this kind of dialogue could be brought to schools because trust me we all know these all girls schools right oh yeah they're a tough little absolute place to play kids, around in especially right? with social media it's Honestly, I couldn't even imagine oh. growing up in the social media age now. Oh, I, I genuinely I, cannot. I don't. I, I just I, honestly don't yeah, know if I would have really, got through it. It really, really scares me, and it's another reason I really wanted to get the book out. What I wanted to say to you was, first of all, I wish I could hug that teenager. <laughs> oh, me too. <laughs> Second of all, a really powerful trick whenever you feel vulnerable and you feel like that inner voice is starting to sit on your ear and starting to chatter that mental chatter I call mine my my sock puppet I've, there's a whole chapter on her in the book she's Mississippi and, and she doesn't really talk to me anymore because she does talk to me and I shut her up very quickly I've become very adept at going no I'd rather listen to the other voices instead <laughs> I'm awesome um but Damn right. a really great trick for people to do is uh Get a photograph of yourself when you were, I would say, go way further back than 15. So go back to three or four. Oh, wow. A okay. photograph. And stare at that picture. And now close your eyes and imagine yourself hugging that child and apologize to her and say, oh, my God, I'm so sorry for all this crap I put you through, for the damage I've done to your body, for the deprivation I've given you, for all of the emotional turmoil. For all. I'm so sorry. Because she is you. She is literally you. We are still that same. We just physically grew up. It's the same brain, the same eyes, the same thought process, just growing, just learning. And as she was learning, we went and kept tripping her up and saying, nope, you're a piece of crap. You're mm. this, you're that. You're not good enough. You're not thin enough. You're not cool enough. You're not one of the cool gang. So, you know, that, that inner voice is key. Switching the narrative about everything in our lives. We are awesome we're brilliant. We're fantastic. All of us. And we're only going to believe that when we tell ourselves that. Something I feel like you're touching on in this little bit that you're talking about is uh, something called NLP as well. Yes. Now that is neuro linguistic programming. Yes. And I was introduced to that uh, at the body camp, which <gasps> we spoke about yes. just before we started recording. Um, for people that might not know about NLP, explain what it is, how it works, and why we should probably all be yes. doing this. Is it, so, do you do it? Do you, you do it? You, you do practice it. it. You practice yes, it. You practice it. Um, so neuro is the brain, linguistics is language, and programming is programming. So you program the way that your brain speaks. And if you think about the day you were born, you came into the world, you couldn't speak, you learned to speak right? Mm. So if you learn something and if you learn something negative, you can just as easily unlearn it. It's homework. It's very doable. 
And I, I went to say, but it's very doable. And I stopped myself. <laughs> you see that pause. And the reason why is because the word but is one of the things that can potentially be a negative oh. word. So Hannah, I love your podcast, but uh, all of a sudden, everything I just said have negated, right? So if you... I'm if, getting shivers uh, because I do this a lot. It's now, okay. that, now that I've said it, right watch yourself in company and listen to yourself and over time it's fine over time again don't you know it's not a problem we all do it I still do it I just have to remind myself not to do it and our brain has something called brain plasticity neuroplasticity and if you do something for 21 day minimum period after that it becomes normal it becomes natural so it's habit forming habit forming happens within 21 days so things such as uh, I have friends who will say, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm such a self-loather or I was just born like that or, you know, it's too late for me or no turning back now or I'm, I'm such a negative person or, you know, I'm so clumsy. I'm such an idiot. You know, how many, how many thoughts do we have a day? Mm. 70 odd thousand? Mm. How many of those do you drop, you know, something and go, oh, you're such an idiot. Mm. If you say that enough times, you're going to think you're an idiot. If you say you're fat enough times, you're going to think you're fat. If you say you're worthless enough times, you're going to think you're worthless. If you say I'm a bad mother, a bad wife, a bad sister, a bad friend, often enough, you will begin to think that because you're the only one listening to those words. Mm. So you can just as easily change that language. And, and it's also a part of something we sort of touched on earlier, the compliment syndrome taking a compliment for some reason has become such a taboo (laughs) i'm gonna put my hand up a second um and say that i categorically do not know how to take a compliment (gasps) okay i am the person that you write about okay hannah let's test this hannah (laughs) you are absolutely beautiful in every single way from top to bottom inside out your soul is beautiful that's what I would do. No. I would laugh it no. off. There'll okay. be a silence now and i Now repeat after me. Amanda, thank you. That's so kind. Thank you so much. Amanda, and then stop talking. You're so, that's so kind. Thank you so much. And then we move on with the sentence. Okay. okay. Can I just, so. <laughs> so you don't sound like a dick. You don't but sound I, like you're <sighs> full of yourself. What you're doing is you're telling me that I've actually correctly given you a compliment and you're thanking me for taking the time to go out of my way to say you're wonderful and you're gorgeous and you're brilliant because if you say to me oh don't be silly no I'm a I'm wearing this old rag well that's kind of how I would go oh oh, I'm so tired really are you kidding me I'm look at my spots whatever it might be or so what's that saying that's saying two things you're saying Amanda you're full of s I don't know. Can I call? Of course swear you can swear. Oh, right, Come okay. on, it's me. <laughs> I swear all the way through the book. Sorry. Amanda, that's why swear. I really liked it. <laughs> I just wasn't sure. I should have asked you this before. We could have had. Oh no! Keep going, <laughs> Mandy. You're full of shit. Okay, I don't believe a word you've just said. And instead, what I'm going to do is I'm going to reiterate to myself that I actually think I'm a piece of shit. So that's one more time you've told yourself that you think yeah. you're horrendous. And that serves nothing. I think that, and I hope that, well, I don't hope, but perhaps I'm speaking for quite a few people here. For me to accept that particular compliment that would be something to do with like my physical appearance or whatever, Hannah, you're beautiful, whatever, makes me feel like I'm being arrogant. No, but you're not. That I'm like, you're yeah, not. of course I'm beautiful. I and mean, you are. Yeah, and why not? saying it. And why not? Because beauty is everything. It's your aura. It's your energy. It's your everything. You know, it's, we're not, people don't walk around talking about aesthetics going, you should be a model. You should be a model. You should be this. You should, it's just, we're talking about energy and be a beautiful soul. You know, you're brilliant at your job. You're a wonderful podcaster. You're an incredible photographer. All of these accolades that you should be patting yourself on the back for every single day. Why wouldn't you? As a little girl, didn't your parents say, you're amazing. Mm. You're brilliant. You've just mm. come down that slide the best. Yeah. Look how big your poo-poo is. <laughs> Yay. And all of a they sudden. They still do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. Yes. Line of the podcast. <laughs> we can just stop so, that. <laughs> the end. Um, I think you might have lost a couple of listeners. No, I'm kidding. That's all you right. Have we don't need it. after that because that's real honesty. <laughs> I, I'm right with you there, sister.
Healthy eating means everything. <laughs> I love it. Um, so then <laughs> all of a sudden we got to our teenage years, right? And then exactly what I was talking about. You listen to your friends' voices saying your fat's popping out of your cycling shorts or you go to school and nowadays it's social media. Oh, mm. I don't like your nose or I don't like your face or I don't like your shoes or you're not cool enough and all of these things that they get bombarded with. Then you get into your 20s and you get into the big bad world and you go to work. And then at work, you're told you didn't hit that deadline. You didn't get that budget. You didn't, you know, you didn't, you didn't, you should have, you should have, you should have. So then you're thinking, ah, my crap at my job as well. Then you get into your 30s and relationships and your 40s and all of a sudden you stop and you hit a wall. And that's exactly what I did. Mm. I stopped. As I was approaching 40, I thought, shit, I am exhausted. I'm so tired of dieting. I'm so tired of self-sabotaging. I'm exhausted of trying to be this to be that. I canceled a wedding at the age of 38 and I fell into a really bad depression afterwards, even though it was the best thing I ever did. It was the best decision I'd ever made because I realized he wasn't the right guy for me and I canceled it with a month to go. Wow. Drama. But I know now that the depression was because I thought that I had failed and everyone else was married. Everyone else had children. Why didn't I? What's wrong with me? Mm. And suddenly I, I soon realized into my journey of self kind of help that, you know, nothing is perfect and that expectations are bullshit. There's no such thing. And you're only going to be happy when you ditch those expectations of what people think you should be. You know, I talk also about the perfect, the multi-perfectionism dimension scale. Oh, this is amazing. And I was re when I re researched this, I was pretty shocked. So, um, there are three types of perfectionism. There's self-oriented, there's other oriented, and there's socially prescribed. Self-oriented is, I feel the pressure to be perfect. I need to get the, the job. I need to get the exam. I need to get an A. I need to look the best. I'm putting this pressure on me. I did that for two decades, right? Throughout modeling, throughout my career. You know, I thought that I had to be the best at everything. Um, other oriented is when you expect everybody else around you to be perfect. So you're doing mm. your job. Why can't that taxi driver get me on time? You had one job, mister. One fucking job. Mm. Well, actually, does he just have one job? He's probably got a million things to do. He might have lost someone that day. He might have had a gazillion things on his mind. So rather than put that pressure outwardly on other people, because that's really destructive in social situations, in job situations... I've been there. I've been there when I've worked for three weeks on a script and on the night, the auto cue guy didn't do his job properly and I looked like a tit. Mm. And I'm going, you just, why did I, and, you know, I don't like confrontation. So I would have sort of done it through different channels or just like been angry with myself for not telling him. And then the other one, which is really prevalent today, which is socially prescribed, which is when we think that other people expect us to do certain things. So a teacher, a parent, um, a husband, and nowadays social media. And this is the specific one that is causing anxiety among young women and men. This is the one that's causing depression and the one that's actually leading to suicide. So perfectionism, while I touch on it on the cover of the book, it's very much the deep-rooted core for a lot of us without even knowing it. Because I've spoken to people and they've gone, oh, I, I, I don't think I've ever wanted to be perfect. Actually, perfection is a big word and it's got mm. very many layers. Mm. And the scientific study that was done by Banner and oh, I forget his, the other guy's name, it's called the multi-dimensionism, my multi-dimensional multi perfectionism scale. It's multi-dimensional. It goes deep, deep down. So it's really key that if we see a little bit of this in ourselves, I do give tips on how we can kind of, you know, just release expectations. It's all fine. Explain the third facet. Socially prescribed. Yeah. So socially prescribed is when we, we think that others expect us to be perfect. Okay. So the first one is self-oriented. I expect yeah. me to be perfect and I want to get everything done. Yeah when we think that other people want us to be perfect. So if I'm on social media, if I'm, if I don't put face tune, is that what they call yeah. it? If I don't put these filters, you know, I have to be perfect because X, Y, and Z at school think that, you know, I should be perfect right. or my teacher, she thinks I'm supposed to be perfect. So 
you know, maybe I should strive to be perfect. Or, you know, you grow up in a house where you've got helicopter parents and, and they, they think you should be a certain way. So I've got to try, try, try and be better and better and better because if I'm not better, I'm going to really let them down. I don't want to let people down. I don't want to let my husband down. I don't want to let my parents down. I don't want to let my children down because they expect me to be perfect. But that's, is that possibly you as an individual putting that pressure on yourself assuming that Absolutely. they want this perfection Absolutely. i say in inverted commas on of from course you, it is of course it is because right. because we are the only people who can assume anything right. you know we yeah. we and that's another thing i talk about is catastrophizing things you can take a scenario where someone doesn't call you back and think they literally hate me they mm. have taken me out of their phone they have not texted me back for two weeks I'm an asshole and they hate me because I'm a bad friend. Only to get a text saying, I'm so sorry, I've been out of the country. I dropped my phone in the toilet and I lost all my numbers. You know? And you've done that for two weeks. You've gone, I'm an asshole. Why do they not I love mean, me? <laughs> I actually, I feel like I'm having like a bit of an like out of body experience <laughs> because um, I think I might stop paying my therapist <laughs> and maybe just like have a chat with you once a week because I, I, I'm actually having like a welcome. really profound moment. Because that is also me. Yeah. I am that person. And I know that a few of my friends are going to be listening to this and being like, told you so, Hannah. I have when been you, that When they too. haven't messaged me yeah. for a few days and I go into total overdrive, I think that everyone hates me. I, I have been known to go through the thread being like, was it something I said yep. then? Wait, but was it because I didn't call her back that time? What have I done? What, what's wrong with me? No one likes me. I'm the common denominator oh my God, I'm just going to run away from it all. I know I'm smiling. I'm smiling because it, I'm shaking my profound. head because it's, it's absolutely, that's, you've hit the nail on the head and it's called catastrophizing. There is a name for it and we all Fucking do it. I'm, I don't <laughs> know whether to laugh or cry. There's going to be tears at some point. <laughs> we all do it and I did it for years. I self-sabotaged for years until I realized something very simple to assume is to make an ass out of you and me, right? Yeah. And that phrase is so pertinent here because, you know, you have no control, even if they do think you're an asshole. So what? Mm. You have no control over what they think of you. What other people think of you is absolutely none of your business. And I mean that in the nicest possible way because it on every level is none of our business. What you, If you walk out of here today and go, Jesus Christ, she was a bit of a bore. That's, I can't change that. I can't affect that. All I can do is do what I did today and we had an amazing chat and, and I have to be thrilled about that. If I hear then someone bad mouthing me about something, well, you know what? That's Twitter, that's social media, that's life. We have to just move away from that and focus on the things we can change and we can affect. So catastrophizing is huge. So the next time that happens, you just I mean, it's probably happening right now. Yeah. <laughs> Someone probably is not going to respond to a message that I sent this morning. So this is very much live in action. So what you have to do is you have to think of all of the different things that they could possibly doing. Before you think of the negative one, mm. think of all the positive ones. Mm. Think that they might have been having a bad day. Mm. Think that they might have been, oh, I don't know, dropped their phone down the toilet. Think that actually they might have better things to do. The mm. things that are on the top of their schedule that sometimes to you feels like it needs to be answered now but to them it doesn't and that's okay and so what you're doing by catastrophizing again is you're building up these walls of self-flagellation and you're reminding yourself that you're a bit of a tit or even now you've just gone that's me that's but that's my bad yeah. well, no it's not you're human and you know we we all want to be liked it's a, it's a human trait we don't like not being liked i don't i don't even care when people say you know a-list celebrities have are sort of like taken down and they say well i don't care i don't care what anybody thinks I kind of think we all care. Absolutely. You just have totally. to start caring less. Yeah. You have to start caring less about what other people think because it doesn't affect your life. And you have to just think about what the people closest to you think and mostly what you think because that's the most important thing. And we sort of touched on this before we, we, we started recording. Sappers and zappers are also really key in this scenario. If you've got a friend who is a sapper, who all, the only thing they ever do is kind of take your energy they sap your energy they bring you down everything's negative 
they might be a good friend. At some point, you have to put some distance between you because it's very misery does love company, mm. and there's only so many times you can help someone totally. and say, "Look, I'm with you. You got this. We're good." before they start sucking your energy. That's not to say you're gonna take them out of your life forever, because they're your friend, right? You wanna be there for them. It's just when it starts affecting your energy and your mental health, that's when you have to protect yourself and you have to take a step back. And when you're strong and ready again, you can step back in the arena. I mean, <laughs> I, I just feel a bit speechless at the moment. Oh. What would be some of the sort of learned, conditioning words or tips that you could give to somebody who especially what we touched on with this um catastrophizing yes did i say that right yes okay brilliant um you know like for someone like me let's just say it's just use me as a sort of um the, the puppet um what would you recommend you reframe the narrative you switch the narrative so i'm a bad friend I'm a really great friend. I'm just not sh entirely sure that I have I have met her expectations. That's not really something I can deal with. That's only something she can deal with. Mm. Okay. Um, little tiny tips and tricks like I'm so stressed about this. This is really stressful. Well, it's not stressful. Stress is 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 a reaction to a situation that happens, and we have control over that stress. So rather than say the word stressed, say the word fuzzy say the word funky. I'm so fuzzy right now. The word stress itself is actually stressful. When you mm. think about how often mm. we say it, we also say the word depressed a little bit too often. Mm. We say anxious. Um, you know, depression is big. Depression is a very, very big topic. And to say, oh, I'm so depressed. People say things like, fuck my life. FML, yeah. hashtag FML. Yeah. Why would you want to fuck your life? Your life is amazing. Mm. It's brilliant. It's awesome. There are situations when people really do feel that and have a reason to say that, but kids are saying it. You know, I dropped my chia seeds on the ground. Fuck my life. Really? Yeah. You know, we're in a privileged position that we can we can buy chia seeds in the first say. place. And I use chia seeds because <laughs> no, it's a very privileged of thing course, to of own. Of course, of course. Um, you know, and, and just, I think, situations where, you know, I'm so clumsy, I'm such an idiot. You know, none of those things. That You are none of those things. You were all of the good things and more. And you just have to keep on reminding yourself. You just touched on something actually that I did want to ask you, which was these big words like anxiety, depressed, stressed, perfectionism. Huge words. Not, ju yeah. not just a word. Huge. There's layers, as you said, behind a lot of them. Do you feel like uh, in our modern day that we are possibly overusing them or using them in the wrong way. Absolutely. I mean, I even Googled the other day the difference between stress and anxiety. Mm -hmm. Two, Two very, very different, different games. <laughs> yeah. Very different. Very, yeah. You know, do you feel like everyone's just loosely saying, oh, I'm feeling so depressed, and but then actually it's, it's kind of like the boy that cried wolf. That's not taking away from the fact that some people are 100%. very much seriously dealing with depression, and that is a huge topic. I absolutely right? agree. And, um, but we're all anxious. We're all yeah. anxiety, hashtag anxiety, you know. Uh, Absolutely. Like, how do we sort of carefully navigate? You just have to be very that. mindful about the words you say. Yeah. And that literally is NLP. That right. is neurolinguistics. It's about taking that microsecond before you say something, think about it, and then choose a different word mm. or not say it. Now, as you say, depression is a very serious topic and very many people suffer from it and it's not to be taken lightly. And as you say, we throw words like that around when we're not depressed, when we're not anxious, when we're not feeling very big feelings. And I think it's not really our fault because just like the word diet, it's sort of been it's been destroyed. You know, we started out with a gizmo and we ended up with a fucking gremlin. You know, we sort <laughs> of destroyed it. Yeah. And we're doing the same with all of these words. And they are very easy to use. Of course they are. And, I, and people don't use them to be cruel. We use them because it just becomes a part of our language. And, and I think that's why NLP is really key. So I would suggest anybody who uses these big words that thinks, you know, I do use that a lot. Write those words down and then write an alternative word for it. An alternative word that's fun. You know, a word that's funny, a word that's light. Because as soon as you shine a light on something and make it a little bit more fun, all of a sudden, you can kind of take mm. a breath. And 
it, the power of, of linguistics is so, so deep. It's really powerful. And I don't think we realize just how powerful the words that come out of our mouth. You know, if you're thinking about an argument that you're having with someone and you're really heated and you're really angry and you'll say something. And, and now I've come to the point where I go, I don't want to say something I regret. So I'm going to stop because I used to sabotage relationships because I would say stuff on the spur of the mm. moment and then go, yeah, really shouldn't have said that, have said that. <laughs> yeah. once it's out there it's out there yeah. I mean it, there is yeah. no taking it back mm. and my husband is fantastic so he studied psychology so when we met I was very much in this journey and he'd already heard of NLP he'd studied all of this stuff and so it was almost like holding a mirror up to me you know he was like well you know do you really want to say that and and in the first few months of our relationship I still wasn't quite in the place where I am now and I would self-sabotage a lot so we'd have a discussion about something like a debate or you know we'd have a disagreement mm -hmm. and I go so that's it then yeah so okay well that was a nice relationship thanks bye-bye I would literally walk away and there. I realized I I've used totally to do that all the time yeah. and only for he's you know really emotionally strong mm. and he'd studied psychology he's mm. got a degree in psychology he would go what whoa 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 there little lady what you talking about let's just let's just analyze mm. this for a second so that was really helpful for me to sort of understand like almost literally like I say have someone hold a mirror up and go you sure that this is the right way to deal with it can we just maybe think about something different and I think the resounding key is not beating yourself up in any way shape or form about anything being kinder to ourselves sounds a bit woo woo but actually it's so important we're awesome you know there's a line I say in in the the front of the book you know, when's the last time you looked at yourself in the mirror and said, damn girl, you're a fabulous, foxy, fortuitous, fit, fucking fantastic <laughs> I female. That. I mean, probably never, <laughs> yeah. you know, to look at yourself in the mirror and go, you're awesome yeah. is really difficult mm. for some people. I mean, I know I heard, um, I can't remember who I heard. Someone said they tried to do it and they, they, they just cried before they couldn't say it. It was so wow. emotional for them. So yeah, I mean, we take that for granted. So if you can say it, say it or teach yourself. I'm going to go it. home and say, I'm you going to go stand in the mirror and I'm just going to promise me you're going to do I'm it. Going just, to. Like, I'm going to. I'm going to. Don't sort of look in the mirror, no. stare at yourself in the eye yeah. and go, you're fucking brilliant. <laughs> you're amazing. <laughs> We could literally talk oh, about this book forever. till the cow. Well, we could just talk yes. till the cows come home. Um, obviously, if anyone wants to read more about that, you've got to go and get that goddamn book called The Switch. I just want to quickly bring it a little bit back to the food. Um, you've got these wonderful recipes in the back of the book. Are these meals that you make a lot yourself at home what are your specialities at home so it's really going funny on when I was writing the book I wasn't sure that I wanted to do recipes because I thought you know I like really simple recipes because I don't have time because I'm very productive um, <laughs> I don't have time to pour over a recipe book and you know measure things out and da 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 and I don't have time for a thousand ingredients um, you know I like making things that are quite simple I like to know that I've got about 30 things in my cupboard or my fridge, my essentials, and I can go to them and make that or in the freezer. And so what I did was I wrote a list of my cupboard essentials and then I created the recipes around, based around that. And they're all stuff that I make myself. So McByram's turkey burger. You Saw know, that. Really Liked the look easy of that. to make. Yep. Um, my granny's coddle, super simple. The most complicated thing is in there is my granny parents' Iranian curry. Of course it is. And that's because <laughs> yeah. my mum has taught me how to mix yeah. the spices. But I had to give her a nod. Everything else is as simple as, you know, a date with a bit of dark chocolate and some peanut butter Fab. on it. I mean, what yeah. an amazing snack. Or, mm. you know... Um, just I'm a big big brunch lunch breakfast person my my speciality is quinoa porridge porridge eggs avo toast scrambled yeah. all of yeah. that stuff is just tick, I tick, love tick. all of that yeah. so the recipes are really simple to make because if I can't make them I don't want to put them in there mm. and uh, yeah and I also thought it was really really important to talk at the top of each um, chapter of breakfast lunch dinner snacks and desserts why they're important the mistakes that we make, how to rectify them, what the big offenders are, and how to, you know, how to rectify all that, all of those things. And I thought that was important. Rather I think than just throwing important. in some recipes, let's talk about breakfast, dinner, lunch, snacks, and desserts, and why. Yeah, right, absolutely. And if you are not at home, where are some of your favourite restaurants in London? <gasps> we have to talk about Gola. Yeah. 
Oh, mm, desperate to go. So it is desperate. literally at the top of my road. Yeah. It's an Italian restaurant. And the day they opened, I went in and, and had their the first thing they ever sold anyone. And we said, we want to be your first customers. We'll have a coffee. And we sat down with Aaron, the owner, Italian owner. They do the best Italian food, the absolute best. It's where my husband and I went on our very first date together. Oh. It was sort of like a half a day to half a meeting, which okay. ended up there. And he calls it the love seat because we went in and we actually, neither of us drink anymore, but we got very drunk in the seat. Brilliant. He was feeding us Aperol spritz. <laughs> Needless to say, I won't discuss what happened afterwards, but I don't remember very much from there on in. And we've been together ever since. It all ended very well. <laughs> it ended with me knocking over all of the photographs in the corridor, and I don't even know what happened after that. So God, yeah, I need to get to that. Had. We're married now, so we're good. Um, and where else? Oh, I like I like coffee brunch places. So there's a place uh, locally called Local Hero. That's wonderful. They do great vegan breakfasts and brunches and great salted caramel brownies, which oh, we actually God. had at our wedding. We oh, love wow. them so much. Okay. We ordered them for our wedding. Love that. Gosh, yeah, I can't even think about where else now because everything's been closed for so long. I can't I remember where we used to go. What about past life? <laughs> do you remember? No, you remember I don't remember that. What was that? What? <laughs> All I did is cook. I know. That's funny. I always round up my chats with a few quick fire questions. Shoot, 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 so, shoot. You've kind of already touched on it, which again, just makes you my new best friend. <laughs> my absolute favorite snack of all time is oh. a packet of crisps. Which is your favorite flavor and why? It is, fr- are we allowed to mention the brand? Oh God, okay. yeah. Tyrrell's. Oh, okay. S- oh, okay. Oh, hello. Ridged. That doesn't have to be ridged, but ridged yeah. or better. Yeah, You looked at me as no, a I was like, because at first I was like, no, 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 take your mind out of the gutter, child. <laughs> Isn't that ribbed anyway? <laughs> oh my god, I can't. And they are balsamic yeah. vinegar mm-hmm. and salt. So it's salt and vinegar, but loaded with the, the balsamic. So they're super sour. Oh, I and love it. A little bit of sweet. Oh, I god, absolutely. I love, I love popcorn as well. We make our own popcorn. Oh, yeah. And we, um, in our little local news agents, they don't sell them anymore. There's a, a box of truffles called Stabs. I mean... Right, Who okay. Call their Brilliant, stabs, yeah. Okay. But they are divine. They sort of taste like the bouja bouja ones, which are Ooh, equally amazing. God, I love those. And I yeah. love them because they are vegan, because dairy doesn't really agree with me. Yeah. Um, but we throw those into the popcorn. So you kind of come so, across so one you've, every now you've and then. So you've popped your popcorn. I've popped the corn. And then you're dropping and then in you the... drop in the truffles. So, oh, every so you now like and then that real sort of like oh, salty, yeah. sweet yes, combo. Yes, I do. I do, Ooh, I do, I do. Okay. I'm going to be taking that tip home with me. What is the craziest food you've ever eaten? The craziest food I would have to say would be um, cow's tongue or pig's trotter that I touched on earlier. <laughs> Do you know what? Interestingly, I hope I'm not getting this wrong, but I think cow's tongue is a huge Iranian delicacy. Really? Yeah, because Leo, my husband, loves it. I and I think it's like that. a street food in Iran. You get oh, like wow. cow tongue sandwich. <gasps> Oh, honestly, I know this is going to... Some of your listeners are probably going to go, mm, but it's really tasty. What's it the is. consistency of it? It's like ham. Oh, okay, yeah, fine. It is a bit okay. so much softer than ham. So almost like ham that melts in your mouth. Okay. Now, interestingly, I don't really eat meat anymore. No, but that's okay. <laughs> so, and I don't think I would eat cow's no. toe for sure. Um, yeah, no, I don't. I definitely don't eat red meat, environmental reasons. Um, and also, totally I lived in Argentina that. doing total wipeout, and I think I ate the entire population of their cattle while I lived out there. So <laughs> they are meant to do the best steaks. They do so, the best. You know they what? Do if you were going to do steaks, it, do it there. Absolutely. What has been your most memorable meal? Oh, oh my gosh, this is a good one. Probably our wedding meal. Okay. Um, we got married at the Mandarin Oriental. <gasps> In Hyde Park, which yes. was just divine. And we had the smallest wedding anyone's ever had. So it was myself, my husband, Ovs, his parents, his brother, my parents, and my sister. That was it. So I we love it was that. gorgeous. So we it was the Loggia room. So you were kind of doing a lockdown wedding before lockdown yeah, weddings before became lockdown famous. <laughs> That's right. We had a bubble of eight. We were a bubble of No, we we missed it by two. Oh, and you my were best so ahead of your Skype. time though. <laughs> my best friend was on Skype. If she'd been on Zoom, that would have been really locked down. <laughs> 
So we had this gorgeous little ceremony and the, the stairs at the back were my, my aisle. Mm. And then we had this beautiful dinner that they created. So it was just like the people we love the most in the whole world. And then 25 friends came later, but that dinner was just so memorable because it was the first time my parents had met my in-laws as well. Wow. So it was a really, really gorgeous meal and it was just, oh, it, there was so much love in the room. Oh, it was I brilliant. That. I have to say for me, when people ask me about particular meals or, or food or even restaurants, for me, it's not just the food on the table. It's the whole experience. Absolutely. It's who I'm with, where I am. It could even possibly be the service. Like yeah. it, it could literally be, it has to be all the components absolutely. together. And that's something I think that we have absolutely lost. I mm. think that we have, you know, and sort of dipping back into what we were talking about earlier, we've demonized food so much that we've lost the art of eating. Yeah, And true. I think we need to, we, we need to relearn it again. Yeah, absolutely. What is your favorite food? Oh, it could be a cuisine. Oh, I do love Japanese. I love sushi. Um, it's it's the one that excites me mm. the most. And especially if you go to a really good sushi restaurant and they do really creative, actually, mm. sticks and sushi. Yeah. Really oh, my awesome. that was the first date I went <gasps> on with my now husband. No. Oh, I did, one? again, I didn't. Did you go Wimbledon? Oh, no, no. 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 Yes. Yes. No, oh. it's, yeah, no, this is really oh, weird. so bizarre. But I didn't realise I was on a date until halfway through and I went downstairs to the and toilet. And he kissed you. No, didn't kiss him for two months. He's going to hate me for saying that. Um, I kind of knew his family, but we went for dinner and halfway through I sort of went down to the bathrooms to, well, go to the bathroom and I'm washing my hands and I look in the mirror and I just had this moment. I looked at myself and I thought... You oh, are one shit. fucking fab fabulous foxy female. That and then well. you said... And then I said... Um, Hannah, you're on a date. And I hadn't, like, again, now that I've seen you, this wouldn't have happened. But I was like, why haven't you put on any makeup tonight? Uh -huh. like, it was all a bit, like, haphazard. Uh -huh. and, anyway. And that's exactly why I fell in love with well, you. Well, quite. Because you're yeah. awesome. <laughs> the end. Thank Literally. you. Literally. Yeah! <laughs> all it took was an hour. Oh, that's brilliant. <laughs> I love it. My last question, and I think, actually especially with you, this is a very important question. Live to eat or eat to live? Live to eat or eat to live. Oh my gosh. So it's a little bit of both actually, okay. because eat to live means that you're eating to sustain. Yeah. So you're eating because you want to fuel your body to do all the brilliant things that it does. Um, and live to eat. I just love food so much. So I, like I say, I lie in bed at night thinking what I'm going to have the next morning. And the great thing is, is now I lie in bed at night getting excited about what I'm going to have the next day. If, if this was me 20 years ago, I would have laid in bed thinking about how I could avoid my next meal. And so my past experiences with food are such sad days that now I literally embrace every meal. I chew it. I smell it. I just enjoy every morsel and I think that is just the key to, to existing, really, because we need it. Amanda, this has been the most profound oh. conversation oh, I've loved I it. think I've had with anyone in a very, very <laughs> long time. I'm probably going to go home and burst into tears, but like happy yeah, tears, happy, happy tears, tears okay. because a lot has been explained uh, and you probably have saved me a lot of money in therapy. <laughs> Please go and buy this book, guys. It is called The Switch and it is out now and you can get it from oh, it's, everywhere. Yeah, well, Amazon actually sold out on Friday. Well, there so we that go. that was a, a good, um, but it's available. I have a link tree thingy on my Instagram. And so. her Instagram is at Amanda Byram. Thank you so no, much. thank you. You're amazing. You're amazing. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for listening this week. If you love what you hear, please subscribe and leave a lovely review. And if you can't get enough of me, follow me on Instagram at Crazy Sexy Food and do visit the Crazy Sexy Food YouTube channel where there are plenty of shows for you to watch. Until next time, bye. Bye.